Welcome back to Unusual Stories Podcast. If it's your first time listening with us and you want to know more about the channel, we do have an information and about episode. If not, I'm going to go ahead and get into what I always do before I tell each story. Though these are, quote, um, fairly child-friendly, they're not uh, meant for the real young children, as some of the parts in the stories might be either scary or upsetting to younger children. Um, some stories more so than others, and that's why I like to give you a little bit of heads up of what's in the story before I tell it. So in this story, um, it's not really scary, that scary per se, but it might be, some things might be kind of sad or upsetting. Um, there is a bit of um, darkness to the story at times. It's nothing like the Richardson, um, but it's, you know, there's a, there's a few battles, there's a few quarrels, should I say. There's a few sad pieces, um, a few grim pieces, but all in all, it's um, while it's, it's, a, it's a very deep story, it's most definitely not um, an excre- extremely, you know, s- scary story or anything like that. At least I don't think it is. All right, so this story um, is called The Fawn, and like the Richardson, the Fawn is based off of uh, entirely. The entire story is based off of um, a mythical creature. So if you like uh, mythical creatures and the folklore, this might be a story you enjoy. I do want to say uh, just um, right off the bat that my folklore, though it may parallel a lot with other folklore, it doesn't always match up exactly, and most of the time it won't match up exactly. And especially for the form, even though that's much more well-known than the Richardson, um, it's got so many different folklores to it. So I'm going to tell you a bit about um, my folklore, about what the the fawn is, so you have a bit of a background going into the story, that the understanding of that character, I think, will make more sense. Um, So basically, a fawn is a guardian of the forest, a watcher. They will patrol the forest to make sure that the forest stays safe. If there ever is a threat to the forest, they will investigate that threat. Fawns um, can see right through people, can see right through their lies and um, find their true intent. If a fawn ever comes across someone that he or she is unsure about, they will be um, given a test. If they pass that test, then they are not a threat to the forest and the fawn leaves them be. If they do not pass the test, then they are of ill intent, they are evil, they are a potential threat to the forest, and they they either end up getting cursed or otherwise punished for their ill intent and for not passing the test, which is basically one and the same. A fawn is a hybrid of creatures. It's, um, it lives half in the world of man and half in the world of nature. Essentially, it has one foot in both lands. Um, its torso ends up looking very humanish, but sometimes, a lot of times, actually, it will have, um, you know, fur, but it'll still look quite human. It'll have horns or antlers, and its legs will be that of an animal. Sometimes it'll have a tail. A fawn is a creature, uh, a hybrid creature of either a goat and a human, a sheep and a human, 
or a deer in a human. Everything a fawn does is quite deliberate, although they are quite famous for doing things riddled, or somewhat riddled. The magic has the ability not only to influence but to create illusion. They are known also for their music, which also plays a part in the magic itself. That A lot of the music that they have is of magic. They have uh, most of the time flutes, um, but the flutes are not regular flutes, they're magical flutes. The music they play with it even has the ability to stop an enemy in its tracks. Although fawns typically look as I described, um, they do, a lot of them do have the ability to shapeshift, turn all the way into an animal, especially but basically to shapeshift one or the other instead of appearing as both. And then there are some forms that simply cannot shapeshift and just always look like a hybrid of the two, man and beast. Now that you know all there is to know about fawns, for this story at least, oh wait, I forgot one more thing. A fawn is actually often confused with another creature that is associated with, um, something evil and sinister but that would be a mistake in identity because the fawn's entire purpose is to seek out ill intent and fight against it. It's actually very bad luck if a fawn ever does the wrong thing, ever does bad. They are very much creatures of right versus wrong and they always use their magic for good. So if a fawn has lost his way and has gone down the wrong path, that's is said to be very bad luck. And it's rare, it hardly ever happens. Anyway, um, on to the actual story now. Long ago, centuries ago, there was a young couple ready to start a family and they were looking for a new home far, far out in the rural forests. Someplace safe, someplace secluded and peaceful. Eventually they stumbled upon a very old cottage. They could afford the price because of its age and the fact it was not in the best of shape. It sat on the outskirts of a forest. The couple planned to harvest the trees for lumber and then make a field for crops and livestock and also dig a mine shaft. The land was massive, plentiful. The horsemen got together a team of workers Half worked on the mine, while half worked on cutting down trees. One day he was out chopping down trees with the rest of the lumberjacks when he thought he spotted a man walking behind the trees. When the man turned and looked at him, he realised it did not look entirely human. His face didn't look entirely human and he had horns. It made him jump, but he thought it was the end of a long day and perhaps he hadn't drunk enough water. Perhaps he was just fatigued and needed rest. And he didn't think much else of it. But the next day, the stump where he'd laid his axe, his axe was missing. In its place was a pebble. He searched and searched for the axe and he finally found it, wedged in his canteen. He used the canteen take water from the creek and save it and quench his thirst throughout the day. 
the ox had dug in so deep that it had nearly wedged it in half. The canteen would never hold water again, and oddly enough, the pebble looked as if it was still wet, as if it had just been pulled from the creek. When he went to the creek, he found no one there, so he blamed it on his workers. When his workers denied all accusations, he got furious. His extremely ill temper and bad manners left all but three workers to quit and never return. The work went by much slower, now that there were only three men. There were longer hours with the same amount of pay. The three men had pleaded for extra pay for their longer hours and labour, but the husband refused the compromise. So two of the workers quit and left and never returned. The very next day, only one of the workers came back, and he was worked so rigorously without any breaks for so long that he'd accidentally injured himself trying to chop down one of the trees. The injury was so severe that he would not work again for the next day, or for quite a while for that matter. The axe had gone into one of his legs. The man hobbled his way home, and then the husband screamed, a very loud, maddened scream. Meanwhile, his wife, knitting, sewing, cleaning, picking vegetables that she'd find, growing wild, fruits, nuts, completely oblivious to the drama that had been happening, out amidst the forest. She thought it would be nice just to see how the mine shaft was going. It wasn't that far away from the house after all. She wanted to see if she could find any signs of precious metals or gemstones. It wasn't long sifting through the loosened dirt they had pushed aside that she found a tiny fleck of gold. My husband will be so proud of me. I must run and tell him. She heard the chopping of the axe and knew that he was still in the forest. She ran all the way to him. Drew, Drew, look what I found. Drew jumped, startled, turned around and yelled, Heidi! So, so I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I just, I just, I, I found this, I thought you might want to see it. From the shaft, Heidi held out her hand. He rolled his eyes and looked at it. Then his gaze softened. Where did you find this? Just, just in the dirt that they turned, that they overturned. The shaft seems promising. Forget the fields. I have no men anyway. The shaft shall give us far more riches far quicker. We might not ever have to farm anything. I'll go and get supper ready. She went and got supper ready, but Drew was out there for hours, trying to find more gold. Eventually he gave up, and he came inside. Where's the food? Drew asked impatiently. I put it back in the cellar. It got cold. I didn't know when you were... You should have heard me coming. You should have listened when I was stopping digging. You should have gone out there and asked me how long I'd be. He slapped Heidi so hard on her cheek 
to mouse blood. I'll go and get it right away. I want it now, and I don't want it cold, I want it hot. I shouldn't have to tell you this. Meanwhile, Heidi was scrambling to get the food hot again. And finally, when it was ready, despite him eating like a pig, he appeared dissatisfied with the meal. Why aren't there more berries? This is mostly leaves. It, it's the rabbits you hunted. And I, I, I've tried. I, I, I looked all day. That's all I could find. But it's not enough. I didn't look hard enough. But tw twice that many one day I could find. If women were meant to have weapons, it'd be so much more useful to give her a bow and arrow than she could hunt. I could learn, said Heidi. No, you cannot. Weapons aren't meant for ladies, you know that. So what if they're not meant for ladies? If, if I can help, I want to help. Drew slammed his hand down on the table, stood up and yelled, Weapons are not meant for ladies. Heidi turned her head away in submission, apologised. At the, the sight she saw, just inadvertently, she was facing the window when she turned her head away and she saw a shadow out the window. But it was dark. She couldn't really tell what it was. As she didn't want to tell her husband, it would only anger him further. Her husband went to bed and as she was just about to close the shutter, she heard a tapping on it and then she heard a voice. Heidi. Scared her. She heard it again. Show yourself, said Heidi. You don't want me to wake my husband. He gets very upset when he's working from his sleep. But then everything grew quiet and she knew that if she woke him and he woke to nothing, he would be very angry at her. She needed proof. As much as she was afraid, she knew she wouldn't be able to sleep unless she knew what this was. So she went to try and investigate. She walked out of the house and looked around the window. Before she could ever find anything, she felt something grab her. And all of a sudden, she couldn't move. The only thing she could move were her eyes. She wanted desperately to get away, but she couldn't. It was like she was paralysed. She was carried into the forest close to where her husband had been chopping down the trees. There was a fire that wasn't there before. And the fire brought enough light to reveal the creature that had captured her. It stepped closer to the fire and said, Don't fear me. I've brought you here for a reason. She tried to move again but could only move her fingertips. She was surprised that when she tried to speak, she actually could. Back away, you demon. I'm not a demon. Demons don't exist. Yes, they do. I'm looking at one right now. Before she could say much further, she heard a child screaming out in the forest. But where did that child come from? What, what did you do to it? Who is that child? It's hurt or it's lost. Oh, I need to help it. What did you do to it? That is no child. Only a fawn. 
underground human. A fawn isn't isn't that the same thing as a child? At least to you. I am the fawn. You're the child. No. I am the fawn. That is no child. What's a fawn then? You haven't heard of us. That child. Can't you hear it screaming? It needs help. The fawn didn't say anything else. Just tilted his head to the side, slowly, and stared at her, silent. She tried to move again, and this time she could. She ran towards the sound of the child, and then the sound stopped. It should be right here, but she couldn't see anything. Then all of a sudden, a very loud scream sounded like a baby's crying. That time, she knew for sure where it came from. Amidst a small pool of moonlight, the source of the sound, the only thing there, was a small tree. On one side of this tree appeared a sort of humanish, almost like in the shape of a, a person. She heard sticks crack and leaves rustle behind her. She quickly whisked her head around to see that the fawn had followed her. Can hear the dryad's voice. Your husband cannot. If you can hear the dryad, I suggest you listen to what it has to say. The fawn picked her up in his arms as she was paralyzed again. He took her back to her house, and on the way there, he said. Your husband has killed many of the Dryad's family. He put her back in her bed, very quietly, and whispered in her ear, Go to sleep. Within seconds, whether she wanted to or not, she went to sleep. She woke the very next day, wondering whether or not it was a dream, or whether it was real. There was no way she was going to tell her husband not yet. She needed proof first. She didn't have proof it would only anger him. So she went out into the forest while her husband rummaging through the dirt around the mine shaft. Though it was only partially built, he could not wait. He had gotten up so early that when she woke, he wasn't even in the bed. He was already looking for gold on the promise that she had found a small piece of it the night before. It left her to search the woods unquestioned. She went to where she thought she had been last night and sure enough a very small tree looked kindly in the shape of a person, especially a certain part of it more than the rest of it. But she heard nothing. Still, the tree was exactly as she remembered it. It had to be real. It couldn't have been a dream. She decided she wouldn't push her luck with bothering him and interrupting his search. She would wait till later. And that paid off. He was in a better mood. Heidi, I find three more nuggets today. That's good, she said. Very good. I'm very proud of you. Now when you were out there, did you ever see anything? Like, like, like a beast. 
I think I saw a beast. His eyes widened in anger, came over him. A strict rage. You saw a demon. I, I don't, I don't think, you know, it didn't really, it just, it just looked like a beast. I don't think it was a demon. You saw a demon. You are infected with evil. We must take you to a priest the very next day. I'm too tired, I need rest. I'm not doing it tonight. But I refuse to sleep in the same room as a woman who sold her soul to the devil. I did no such thing. I, I didn't do anything. I just, it, it just came, it just came to me. I, I, just, I just saw it. Women are the lesser of man, said Drew. Women don't need to go searching for evil. Evil comes to them. After Drew had gone to bed, Heidi was still crying. She was so beside herself, she didn't even hear anybody creep up behind her. And again, she heard, this time, a voice within the house. Heidi. She started to panic. And so the fawn grabbed a hold of her, stopped her from moving, carried her out into the woodlands yet again, this time very, very deep into the forest. He lied her down and left her be for hours on end. Finally, he came back right when she was regaining her ability to move again. Why did you take me all the way out here? You have passed my test. But your husband has not. You must promise that you will only take what you need to survive. Do not. Kill the forest and leave us be. What, what did you do to my husband? I scratched him. The scratch will hex him. It will ultimately end him. Heidi got up and ran as fast as she could back to see her husband. When she got there, he indeed had a deep gash along his arm. The fawn's horn had scratched him, and he also had claw marks along his back. She thought he'd be asleep, but he was awake, doubled over, in pain, and vomiting up a mess. Drew, Drew, are you alright? I'm so sorry, Drew. Tell me you're alright. He slowly lifted his head, shakily pointed a finger at her, and said, You! You witch! I knew you were a witch all along! This is all your fault. Always been your fault. He stumbled to his feet, staggered his way into the kitchen, grabbed a knife, ran towards Heidi, lunged with the knife aimed at her heart, and Heidi closed her eyes and cowered away, bracing, bracing for death. All she heard was a loud thud. And all she felt was the knife, and his hand barely grazed her. She opened her eyes to see that behind her husband stood the form. He had just saved her life. Don't run. I must show you something. Come with me. You need to see this. I'm not going anywhere with you, demon. I am a form. He took out his flute and started playing, and against her will, 
She no longer feared him. She trusted him. You're a fawn. Yes. That I am. You. You've done this. You've done this to me before. The first time I met you, I just didn't remember. Everything I do is to protect the forest. He picked up her husband, unconscious, and threw him round his shoulder, and walked back into the forest. She didn't know what to think, and she was too scared to follow him. So she stayed there all night and into the next day. When her husband failed to return, she went searching for the fawn. I know you're out there. What happened to my husband? What happened to him? The fawn eventually showed. I can show you. I will take you to him. Please allow me to move. I want to walk there on my own. If you can promise. That you will not scream and give us away. I will let you do so. The form led her deeper into the forest. To a cave. A big, large cave with a fire. Several fires inside of it. In the cave were a lot of creatures. Many of them fawns that looked just like him. He brought her to a burnt out fire pit that was no longer lit. He stretched out a hand as to point to the fire pit and said, That is your husband. Amongst the ash, showers of burn. You use my husband to make a fire. Sick beast. You can't just kill people. Funny. Your husband. Would have killed you the very next day. I spared you. Because you passed the test. I did not spare him. Because he did not. He would have killed the forest. All of it. Our entire home. He would have killed many of us. So I killed him to protect my family and my home and to protect you. Heidi didn't know what to think, but she had remembered something her father once told her. People who have done no wrong, evil will never find them. Who did she believe more? Her father? Or her husband. If her father was right, then the fawn was simply a fawn. He was not a creature of evil, and the fawn would be telling the truth, because she had never done wrong. She looked around her and how many, how many children that these creatures had. The children looked exactly like they did. She watched as they interacted with one another and she could tell that the mothers and fathers of those children had an unconditional love for them. 
and for each other, a love she had never had with her husband. It was the kind of love that she'd grown up with as a child, the family that loved you no matter who you are, and always forgave you when you made a mistake. How could these creatures be evil when they show so much love? All that I ask in return, I do not expect you to understand all this. All that I ask is that you only take what you need from the forest and from the stone. Only what you need to survive and leave us be. I will leave you be, and I will not kill your forest, I promise, this is your home. The fawn walked up to her and said, I will escort you back, it's a long way and it's easy to get lost. To her surprise, the fawn actually did lead her home, and along the way, he had put a hand on her shoulder to steady her balance and crossing a small stream. She half expected to be paralysed again and so she flinched. But all that happened is that she felt the tips of his claws as she continued walking. Here there was this creature that could quite easily take advantage of her, yet it wasn't. And everything she'd learned about demons, they wouldn't do stuff like this. A demon would never ask someone to spare a forest, to be selfless, to be humble. A demon would ask the opposite. What the fawn was asking was something so innocent that just further made her believe that what her father said had been true and that her husband had been the one that was wrong. For over a month she stayed true to her promise because she couldn't make up her mind, for sure, who to trust, and she thought she'd play it safe. She hadn't seen the fawn at all. At one night she was getting ready to go into bed, and she heard tapping at the window, and a whisper, Heidi, Heidi, come to the shutter. Heidi went to the window, oddly not in fear of him at all, though she knew she probably should be. I hope we will continue on this path. Heidi, you have kept your promise so far. I have kept mine. You've been having trouble sleeping. I could play my flute and you go to sleep the whole night. Heidi almost said no, but she thought it would be a good test, a test of trust. She figured the more times he had the opportunity to take advantage to hurt her and didn't, the more she could trust him. So she allowed him to play a song, and within seconds she fell asleep. When she woke, the form was no longer in sight, and the form did not return for many days on end. It was only when she was out foraging for food in the forest that she saw him again. 
I'd been taught how to hunt, she said. Then no one would have to help me. Over time, Heidi began to trust in the form more and more. And she told him, Your creatures are not what I expected you would be. You really are just like any other creature in the forest. It's a shock to me. I was expecting something far more sinister. And for a long time, I'd still expected it. I apologise, I judged you unfairly. I always thought beasts were senseless and rageful. Say the same thing about your kind. You are the first human that has ever passed my 